0: listening to the mystical city of god in a year podcast i'm father edward looney and throughout the year i'm reading and reflecting on the four volume over 2500 page work by the venerable maria if you would like to discuss today's readings you can head on over to facebook and find the mystical city of god in Year podcast group and there you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agrida. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Today is day number 222, and we are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 4, Paragraphs 355 to 360. Chapter 4. The devil is much disturbed and disconcerted on account of the miracles of Christ and of St. John the Baptist. Herod seizes and beheads St. John, some particulars of his death. 355. The Redeemer of the world, departing from Jerusalem and traveling about in Judea for some time, pursued the work of preaching and performing miracles. While he was baptizing and at the same time commissioning his disciples to baptize, as is recorded in the third and fourth chapter of St. John's Gospel, his precursor also continued to baptize in Ainon and on the banks of the Jordan near the city of Salem. But the baptisms of the Lord and those of St. John were not of the same kind. For St. John continued to give only the baptism of water and of penance, while our Lord administered his own baptism, that of real pardon of sins and justification, such as it is now in the church, accompanied by the infusion of grace and of the virtues. To the mysterious power and effects of the baptism of Christ, was moreover added the efficacy of his words and instructions, confirmed by the wonder of his miracles. On this account, more disciples and followers soon gathered around Christ than around St. John, in fulfillment of the words of the Baptist, that Christ must grow, while he must be diminished. At the baptism of the Lord, his Most Holy Mother ordinarily was present, and she beheld all the great results of this regeneration in the favored souls. With the same gratitude as if she herself were receiving the benefits of the sacrament, she gave thanks to God for them, breaking forth in canticles of praise and exercising heroic virtues as a thank-offering to the author of them. Thus, in all these wonderful activities, she gained for herself incomparable and unheard-of merits. 356. When, by divine permission, Lucifer and his followers arose from the ruinous defeat, which they had experienced at the triumph of Christ in the desert. And when they returned and saw the works of the most sacred humanity, divine providence ordained, that though always remaining ignorant of the principal mystery connected with Christ, they should nevertheless see enough to lead to their entire discomfiture. Lucifer, therefore, perceived the great result of the preaching, the miracles, the baptism of Christ our Lord, and how by these means innumerable souls were withdrawn from his jurisdiction and from the shackles of sin and the reformation of their life. The same effects he recognized also in the preaching of St. John and in his baptism. He remained ignorant of the essential difference between these two preachers and their baptisms and at the same time had no doubts about the final overthrow of his dominion if their activity should continue. Hence, Lucifer could not be full of fear and unrest. He knew well that he was too weak to resist the power of heaven, which he felt was exerted against him in these new preachers and their doctrines. These considerations filled his proud mind with great apprehension, and therefore he called another meeting of the princes of darkness, and said to them, Strange things happen in the world during these years and every day do they multiply, so that my fears, lest the divine word has come into the world, according to the promise, are growing more and more harrowing. I have searched the face of the whole earth and cannot find him. But these two men who are preaching and deprive me every day of many souls excite within me great misgivings. The one I could never overcome in the desert, and the other vanquished all of us, so that even now we are disheartened and crushed." If they continue as they have begun, all our triumphs will turn to confusion. They cannot both be the Messiah, and I cannot as yet be sure that either one of them is He. But to draw so many souls from a life of sin is a work not equaled by any to this day. It supposes a new power which we must investigate and trace to its source. And we must destroy these two men Follow me and assist me with all your strength, astuteness, and sagacity, because otherwise they will frustrate our intentions. 357. These ministers of evil, therefore, came to the determination of persecuting anew our Savior Christ and his precursor, St. John. But as they had no knowledge of the mysteries of the divine wisdom, all their great projects and resolves were vain and without firmness. They were sadly misled and confused on the one hand by so many miracles and on the other hand by outward appearances, entirely different from those which they had attributed to the incarnate word at his coming into the world, in order that his malice might find some enlightenment and in order that his companions who were to spy out and discover what secret power had so discomfited them, might be more successful in assisting him. Lucifer ordered meetings of the demons to be held, in which they were to communicate to each other what they had seen and understood concerning recent events. And he offered them great rewards and preferments in his hellish dominions for good service. For the purpose of throwing them into a still greater doubt and confusion, the Lord permitted the hellish finds to imagine greater holiness in the life of St. John the Baptist. He did not perform the same wonders as Christ, but the outward signs of his holiness were very remarkable, and his exterior virtues were wonderful. God also concealed some of the more extraordinary wonders performed by Jesus from the dragon, and there was a great similarity between Christ and St. John in regard to certain particulars which came to the knowledge of the devil, so that he may remain in doubt and could not come to a certain decision as to which of them really deserve to hold the office and dignity of Messiah. Both, he said to himself, are great saints and prophets. The life of the one is that of the common people, but yet extraordinary and strange in some respects. The other performs many miracles, and his doctrine is nearly the same. Both cannot be the Messiah, but let them be whoever they may. I recognize them as my great enemies and as saints, and must persecute them until I have undone them. 3.58. These suspicions of the demons began from the time when he saw St. John in the desert, leading such a wonderful and unheard of life, even from his childhood. And at the time he thought that his virtues were greater than that of a mere man could be. On the other hand, he also learned of some of the doings of the heroic virtues of the life of Christ our Lord, which were not less wonderful. And the dragon compared them with those of John. Yet, as the Savior lived a life more of the common order among men, Lucifer was more anxious to find out who this John could be. With this desire, he incited the Jews and the Pharisees of Jerusalem to send the priests and Levites to St. John, in order to ascertain who he was. John 1, 19 Whether he was Christ, as through Lucifer they were led to suspect. And the devil's suggestion must have been very persistent, Since they knew that the Baptist was of the tribe of Levi, and hence, as well known, could not be the Messiah, for according to the Scriptures and according to this knowledge of the law and of the revealed truth, the Messiah would be of the tribe of Judah. Psalm 81.11 But the devil troubled their minds so much that, yielding to his astute malice, they asked this question. The devil pursued a double object, for if John was the Messiah, he wanted him to reveal it. If not, he wanted to diminish his influence with the people who believed him to be the Messiah, or he wished St. John to fall into a vain complacence, or at least usurp either wholly or in part, this honor thus held out to him. Hence the demon eagerly listened to every word of the answer given by St. John. 3.59 But the holy precursor answered with heavenly wisdom, confessing the truth in such a way that the astuteness of the enemy was foiled and his uncertainty was greater than before. He answered that he was not Christ. Then they asked again whether he was Elias, since it was written of Elias that he was to come before Christ. And as the Jews were so dull as not to know how to distinguish between the first and the second coming, they asked him whether he was Elias. He answered, I am not, adding, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As said the prophet Isaiah, John one twenty twenty one. 21. All these questions were put by the messengers through instigation of the devil, for he expected that if St. John was a holy man, he would tell the truth and therefore reveal clearly who he was. When he heard St. John call himself a voice, he was much taken aback, suspecting in his ignorance that he meant to call himself the eternal word. His restlessness was augmented the more when he reflected on the apparent unwillingness of St. John to reveal himself to the Jews. Hence, he suspected that his having called him a voice was only a covered way of speaking. The devil argued that if St. John had called himself openly the word of God, he would have thereby revealed his divinity. Hence, in order not to discover himself, he had assumed the name voice instead of word. In such confusion of mind did Lucifer fall concerning the mystery of the Incarnation. And while he believed the Jews had been deluded and misled, he himself was cast into a much greater error by his false theology. 360. Thus deceived, his fury against the Baptist outgrew all bounds. But remembering his defeats in the battles against the Saviour, and conscious of having just as little success in leading St. John into any grave fault, he resolved to make war upon him by another channel and he found such a channel already prepared. The Baptist had reprehended Herod for his disgraceful and adulterous connection with Herodias, who had openly left her husband Philip, his brother, and as related by the evangelists. Herod was aware of the holiness of St. John and of his sayings. He held him in fear and veneration and listened to him with pleasure. But whatever force the truth and the light of reason exerted on Herod It was readily perverted to evil by the malicious and boundless hatred of the wicked Herodias and her daughter, who was like her mother in morals. The adulterous woman was deeply degraded by her passions and sensuality, and therefore lent herself readily as an instrument of demonic malice. This woman, having been previously instigated by the devil to procure the death of St. John in different ways, now incited the king to condemn him to death. He that had called himself the voice of God and who was the greatest of women born was therefore taken prisoner. The anniversary of the unfortunate birthday of Herod was to be celebrated by a banquet at a hall given by him to the magistrates and nobles of Galilee, of which he was king. The degraded Herodias brought her daughter to the feast in order to dance before the guests. The blinded and adulterous king was so taken in by the dancing girl that he promised her any favor she desired, even if it were half of his kingdom. She, directed by her mother, and both of them by the devil, asked for more than a kingdom, yea, more than many kingdoms, namely the head of John the Baptist, and that it be given to her immediately on a plate. The king commanded it to be done on account of the oath he had taken, and because he had subjected himself to the influence of a vile and degraded woman. Men are accustomed to consider it an unbearable offense to be called a woman, because they think it denies them the superiority deemed peculiar to manhood. But it is a greater disgrace to be governed and led by women's whims, for he that obeys is inferior to the one that commands, and yet many are thus degraded without adverting thereto. And so much the greater is the degradation, the more immodest the woman they follow, For having lost the virtue of modesty, nothing remains in a woman, which is not despicable and abominable in the sight of God and man. This concludes our reading today for day number 222. We have been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 4, paragraphs 355 to 360. As we hear about the evil one and his tactics again, we first hear that the evil one was not successful when he tempted the Christ in the desert, and he wasn't really successful in the life of John the Baptist either, probably because of John the Baptist's association with Jesus from the time that he was in his mother's womb, from his pre-sanctification, that set him apart, really, from all other people. And so the devil could not be victorious. Kind of made me think that in our own battles with evil and the devil— that maybe St. John the Baptist is someone we should invoke. We often think about St. Michael and our guardian angel, but now St. John the Baptist. And then we see unfold, really, how the devil wishes to persecute both of them. And we know how that's going to come about. We heard in the introductory paragraph uh, about chapter 4 that Herod would seize and behead St. John. We know that from the sacred scriptures. And I kind of forgot about that as I was reading. And I'm like, well, at some point Herod will be persecuted because he will be beheaded. And that's the evil one. And we see then how the evil one can really influence souls in a certain way. We heard the talk about Herodias and her daughter and basically how evil just overcomes them, these evil thoughts, these evil desires, and then how, as it empowers them, overtakes them, well, then the devil begins to win in that sense. You'll see that in the life of Christ, people that betray him, people that come and confront his teachings as not being orthodox and such. And in those situations, there's a little bit of the devil there working in the mind and in the words and in the thoughts of these different people. We'll continue reading this tomorrow and hear about the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist, but maybe today, again, as we're confronted with this notion of temptation and evil, it's an opportunity for us to think about our own thoughts, our own words, our own actions, and to see how the devil might in just subtle ways, just in little ways throughout our day take hold and take root of our mind or our will or our thoughts or our words and how evil then prevails in certain circumstances. Be attentive and try to resist. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and Mary pray for you.